and I can't continue running it because I'm doing disjustice to the company. I'm not there, and, uh, and I'm always battling these battles I mean, in and out. So I realized I had to step down and fire myself as a CEO. When I got out of hospital was when I stepped down as a CEO, and, and I promoted my uh, chief operating officer into the CEO. And then when that happened, that moment happened, I realized, holy cow, he's a better man for the job. I'm you know, a better man for the job. Uh, was it my greed, ego? I don't know what the hell was keeping me so locked into this role when the reality is the company can now breathe, can now grow and expand at a far better rate than it ever did under me. We stand today. The Business Method. With the Shadow. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome to the Business Method Podcast, where we examine the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. Our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There's a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses and we wanted to get behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build a business like this. We've had some incredible guests like Bobby Edwards, the founder of Squatty Potty, who built a $35 million per year company with just 17 employees, and JP Sears, the YouTube superstar whose videos are going viral all over the internet. I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and we hope you enjoy the show. The Business Method. Hey listeners, welcome back to the show. Today's episode is actually a second part of a two-part interview that we did with Chris Jankulowski. Chris is the founder of RemoteStaff.com, a recruiting company specializing in remote work placements. Chris actually started this business after having brain surgery over 10 years ago, and throughout that time, he's created a business that produces a lot of jobs, a lot of freedom, and a lot of money. We talked to Chris about battling brain surgery and cancer and numerous surgeries on the brink of death and still pulling through it with an incredibly positive attitude. And if you haven't heard the first part of the interview, go back to yesterday's episode number 307 and check out Chris. This is the first part of the interview. If you have, welcome back to the show. And without further ado, let's jump back and here we go. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. I, I want to ask you, Chris, um, how has, through this experience, how has your spiritual relationship with yourself um, shifted, if it has any at all? Look, uh, uh, one thing, I, 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 uh, look, we are all spiritual entities. We've got to recognize that religion has masked and tried to put context over the, the fact that we are all spiritual. That's first and foremost. Uh, religion is uh, context, uh, and, and you can relate to whichever teacher you, you feel like uh, or resonate with, but uh, let's not get caught up in religion too much and just focus on the reality that we are all spiritual. And spirituality is just this uh, inner knowing that you exist here right now. It's, it's kind of you're here and you have a chance to express yourself, create, apply. We're all creators. So we, you can, you've got this time here to create. How are you going to apply it? 
How are you gonna? Well, how are you gonna pass and do your time here? Uh, and uh, you think uh, 80, 90 years is a, a long time, but it, when, as you get older, you recognize that time isn't, you know, it, you've had those moments, there's been a cycle you followed, and it's not as long as you all think, but it's just enough. <laughs> um, so, so, so mine is, uh, my spiritual um, engagement always is, um, I just know I want to be worthy. Uh, so every time I survive these battles, I just, I just want to be more worthy, worthy of all these second chances, worthy of this life I have, worthy of uh, my capacities that I've gained, and I want to contribute more. I'm trying to make a difference. I want to, I want to make my life count in some way. I want to, I want to make sure it matters in some way. And I think all of us do. I think we all want that to be the case. But, but if we want to live an inspired, fulfilling life. You know, we've got to start looking after us first. You can't go out there and change the world and uh, contribute God knows what if you can't contribute to your own life first. So I think I think don't deny you first is my spiritual philosophy <laughs> and, uh, and really look after you because when you look after you, and meaning you are honest with yourself about your dreams, your desires, how you applied yourself, you were game of giving it a go. Do you really give it a go? Did you have the courage to really give it a go? Uh, and most people, that's what, you know, when, when, when I compete in uh, certain business and market shares, it's so easy to, to knock out those who have never really gone all out. And they do in some way, but they don't in other ways. And, and I think uh, you've got to be true to you. Yeah. And, um, and when you are, what's shocking is that you don't only manage to look after you, but then you realize that you can look after your surrounding family. And then after you looked after your mom and sisters and family, people, because you all think that, yeah, I'm going to donate and change the world. But the reality is you're going to change first your inner circle. And then as, you, as you're more than capable of looking after yourself and your family for generations to come and your own surrounding family, it's only then you really step up to that plate of saying, hey, I'm here to make a contribution to others. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I have one more life philosophy question, then we'll dive into business sure. stuff. Um, this yeah. question, I don't know if you've ever, but you may have been asked it, but probably not on a podcast before. Um, and <laughs> and but you said you're open to questions and authenticity, so I'm going to yeah. ask, and it's a it's a heavy Go one. Um, I no. was I was taught maybe uh, ten years ago, five years ago or so. It's actually a quote, like there's three things that you need to learn in life. It's to learn how to live, learn how to love, and learn how to die. And when mm -hmm. I examined that question or that quote in my own personal life, I actually, uh, I think I did an exercise of writing down like how I wanted to live, how I wanted to love, and how I wanted to die. And I was in my 20s at the time, and I knew then how I wanted to it, when that moment come came, how I wanted 
the the people that I loved uh, to experience that afterwards. And so for wow. me, um, for me, uh, I have that all planned out. And like, whenever it happens, you know, I'm ready for it. And I, I think like people of the past when they were involved in like tribal warfare, and they never knew how they might die because their tribe might come over and you know just wipe them out they were ready for stuff like this and mm. and we necessarily because we don't fear that we're not necessarily um, prepared for that mentally and so i saw a friend of my mine's a good friend's grandfather um, go through cancer and eventually pass away but uh, he he was in avoidance and he didn't want to he didn't want to talk about his funeral he didn't want to uh, plan it out he didn't want to do anything all he wanted to do is just stay in his own little world uh, at the time you know, understandable. But for me, I didn't quite understand that because I want the people after I leave to have an experience of me and to be ready and prepared in the best way possible. So long story uh, for a short question. Have you, have you prepared, um, you know, what's that look like for you? Have you, I'm sure you're prepared to die at any time, but um, have you planned your funeral and what, what, what's going to look like after that that moment comes for you yeah look uh, uh, interesting moment it, it was certainly i've had the, the many near-death experiences and you know it was only this recent brain operation back in september 2016 that i really said uh, you know i really don't prepare for this <laughs> and um what i did was i um I, when i when i prepared i did what everybody else would do write a will recognize that hey i want to write a book and uh, make sure that if i pass away that my story doesn't die with me i i i, I want to I, I wrote a list of just saying you know is there any dreams i'm not being true to myself uh for going after or for trying to fulfill is there anything i feel like i'll be missing out have i really lived fully while i've been here i've done that check and then what i realized in the process was it's not good enough to just write a will or think about your funeral or whatever the, the goal is how do you hand over? Because if you write a will, do you know that if you are a business and you have a will and your partner doesn't have access to the bank accounts, the bank accounts are frozen until all that, all that legal proceedings get, get through. So you have to be already thinking like, hang on a minute, how do I make my passing seamless for my predecessors, uh, for my business, for my family, for my children, for, my, for everyone around me? For my wealth, how do I make my passing away not impact anything? Uh, and that's when you realize, wow, it, 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 uh, you know, you, you've got to make sure that money flows when you're in business, that you've got to continue that flow. I think um, for me, writing my own book, which I've titled Just Keep Going, because I've had so many adversities, I keep getting up. I think that old metaphor relates to me, fall down seven, get up eight. And um, I wrote the book for my sons, um, should I do pass away early, so they could capture that kind of, that it's like a time capsule of my, my voice, my story, my spirit, and that that could be passed on and they could read it when they get to the uh, early 20s or something. Um, I, I, it's, it's, again, all I'm doing is just preparing for that handover. I, I don't feel like a will is enough because a will is just, what you've thought of uh, at the time that you think needs to be distributed, but it doesn't work that way only. What would you? I think you have to take the next step is uh, 
think about that uh, how does a uh, process uh, continue without you and also you want to be managed and ready so that you are not doing this last minute while you are coughing up blood and God knows what. Mm-hmm. Death is never going to be uh, you know, romantic. It's, it's going to be brutal. So uh, you want to have it all planned out so you don't have to worry about it, but things will carry on. And, and then you want to plan your own environment so you can be looked after. And, and for me, my own environment and being looked after, I realized is in my recent adversity, where the, when I had the brain operation in September 2016, the hospital, after two weeks' stay, said, you're too unwell to get to your own home. We have to put you at a rehabilitation center for two months. They put me there. When I rocked up there, I'm there in this place that I thought to myself, oh, my God, I'm going to be here for two months, really? My wife was there with me. And, and I'm looking at this crazy cleaner talking to himself, going to my, and I'm thinking to myself, I can afford my cleaner. I don't need him. And then there's this biscuit lady coming. I go, I can't afford my biscuit lady. What the hell? And I just told my wife, get me out of here. This is just not a healing place. These people do not even they, – they thought I had some mental problems. They didn't even want to acknowledge when it, my request. They, they thought I was, you know, spa, uh, spastic in some way. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it was mentally cognitive. Cognit- I can't say the word properly. That's one of my defects at the moment. My speech. Yeah, I understand. Uh, mentally, uh, yeah, mentally, I'm completely capable. Um, but when the doctors, uh, when I request them, can you please take out the bandages out of my head? And they tape them all up and then they walk away. When I go, hey, mate, you didn't take them off. And, and look at you to go, yeah, right, and walk off. It's like, what What kind of environment is this? Mm-hmm. So. That that day, I had my wife uh, prepare a call online, uh, hospital beds, uh, people move a kind of ambulance equivalent, and I was at home. And while I was at home uh, for the first uh, couple of months, she had to put a waiver and everything she had to sign that if I slipped and passed away, it's on her. Um, when we were at home with my son and with my wife, we were, we were still able to enjoy a quality of life. And and doesn't matter how bad things were, you know what? We had some funny moments because I'm kind of a more control and dominant kind of figure. Mm-hmm. And so my wife took advantage of this occasion when I could barely even get out of bed. She put me on some pink shirt and purple shorts <laughs> with socks, and you know she really took photos and, and took advantage of this uh, moment. And uh, so we had, we 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 made the most of it where we can. And so I think if we are all going to pass away. I think stop worrying about your funeral. There's lots of services out there. Get that organized. That's just a fee. That's nothing. Uh-huh. The fee, the funeral is not the problem. The will is not the problem. The Think about your environment and what support do you need to, to be nurtured without being taxing on your family and surroundings? How do you maintain a quality of life right up until the end? How do you go out with a smile and go, hoorah? <laughs> you know, so uh, so I, I think if you could imagine that environment, that tone, uh, you'll be surprised. It's very possible. That's incredible. Uh, how's your time, Chris? Do you have a, a time for a couple of business sure. questions? Okay, cool. Yes, of course. Um, so, so we can get a, a scope and, or a vision of, um, your business and then growing your business while dealing with these, these health challenges. Um, 
you know, you've done really well for yourself. And um, I just would like to hear, I think, some more about the growth of the business while juggling these these health challenges, starting remote staff and and growing it and then the philosophy of uh, traveling and even even we were talking about earlier traveling with a family and uh, bringing a nanny along and, and keeping that remote location independence in your life. Um, so could we, could we, so after, you, let's see, it was your brain surgery, then you, or no, or was it the kidney surgery that you told the doctor you were going to start remote staff or start higher thousand people? Yeah, that's right. But uh, I, I want to bring you back to a different time. Not uh, I can go back there and answer those questions, no problem. But I want to, okay. I want to bring you to a time which is much more interesting and as uh, many uh, people out there who are, uh, have ambitions to be in business or are in business, this is a very interesting experience. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've been the founder and owner of Remote Staff, uh, 100% owner, and uh, CEO. Uh, I ran the company uh, for, for 10 years. But my recent kidney operation in October, uh, and now that I'm living with uh, half a kidney, made me realize that I can't continue flying often to the Philippines, even though I do once a month, and I can't continue running it because I'm doing disjustice to the company. Um, I'm not there, you know, and uh, and I'm always battling these battles I mean, in and out. So I realized I had to step down and fire myself as a CEO. And why was that a freaky experience? Because the moment I'm in the hospital and I realized when I got out of the hospital was when I stepped down as a CEO. And, and I promoted my uh, chief operating officer into the CEM. And then when that happened, that moment happened, I realized, holy cow, he's there, I'm not there. <laughs> he's technical, I'm not technical. He's a better man for the job. I'm technically <laughs> not a better man for the job. Uh, was it my greed, ego? I don't know what the hell was keeping me so locked into this role when the reality is the company can now breathe, can now grow and expand at a far better rate than it ever did under me. Now, that was a bit of a shock. Uh, and I think that's, again, another maturity cycle in business. You, uh, I service a lot of the SME markets, and I get to see thousands of employers who hire their first staff who are often offshore people, like in, in the Philippines or elsewhere that are cost-effective, to get some labor arbitrage, of course. And, um, and many of these first-time employers, these self-employed people, they feel like no one can do a better job than they can. They feel like they need a micromanager to control people. They feel like, look, I'm willing to trust somebody halfway around the world, but at, at, at arm's length, you know, even though we've got these technologies in place to take screenshots, computer usage report, and all these other services involved to keep them accountable, regardless of their location, we give them the autonomy to work from anywhere, but we keep transparency as a vehicle that we use towards keeping it accountable. Even though this is the situation, some of these young employers um, behave this way, especially when they can't quite get the outputs they desire. And then when these employers or entrepreneurs mature a little bit and realize, holy shit, let me get my ego out of the way and recognize that there are smarter people and better people out there that can do the job probably better than I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. I better start developing some systems and processes to facilitate and better manage other people to do the job to what I hope. I mean, how can you lead people unless you, you know, 
show them the way. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so yeah, then these are the kind of employers that I recognize are, are much more into, yeah, they hire, you know, five, ten people from us, not one. Um, and then, of course, if you're the kind of person that doesn't really care about people too much, you're not a people person, you're not a techie person, you're more you're just a straight up like, hey, this is the result I want, this is the output I want. If you're an output-orientated type of remote working manager, then then those kind of employers tend to just hire senior, capable people, give them serious autonomy, which is awesome for the people doing the job because, you know, they, they've got all the space in the world to get it done. Uh, but, they, but these employers are very heavily focused on outcomes and tasks. Uh, so long as they could deliver the result they desire, they, they, they're hands off, basically. So that's why those people tend to hire more freelancers or task upward-based people. Um, so I went around a little bit of a full circle there just to mention that I used to be one of these versions of uh, trust-based, system-based, upward-based type of employer. And now that I've stepped down as a CEO, now I'm a chairman, <laughs> uh, what that means is I've been empowered and employed to dream bigger and uh, not just dream for the business but dream for the industry. Um, it's it, It's been a refreshingly funny stepping back because as I step back, I seem to get more faster. I seem to take on more. And um, and I'm... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I've got a cough. Uh, I'm delighted, Chris, by the uh, <clears throat> experience of starting a business growing it, doing it in your own terms, living around the world, uh, traveling, working hard, feeling fulfilled. You know you've, you've made a difference that day. You shut your laptop down and here you are in Dubai. Or hey, let's go out somewhere in Paris. You know, it's, it's, it, it's not a fantasy. It's a reality that many people do. But, you know, at the beginning when you live this kind of nomadic lifestyle, working online, you're, initially that's just everyone's dream. But then guess what? When you start succeeding and having some wins, you start earning millions of dollars and you start getting <laughs> become rich. And, you, and it's no longer like, hey, let's go here and enjoy working there. No, it's about, hey, let's go rent that damn big-ass castle or <laughs> let's, you know, let's have this grand experience and rent that jet or do this. or The experiences are just next-level stuff and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds... So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, you've got to continue that journey. So it doesn't matter if your business is small and you're online. I think stick to it because back in 2009, when I'm in Paris, I get a call from my accountant saying, hey, Chris, do you know that you've made a million bucks? Uh, you know, that, what a surprise. Wow, I'm on holiday. <laughs> really, thank you. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I've, I've been amazed at is the people that started out as, you know, a $1,000 a month digital nomads five, seven, ten years ago have really built mm -hmm. at these amazing businesses now and they're location independent and they can run them from anywhere in the world. And, and that is a really cool thing to see because they were just like the next level of backpackers with a computer. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's the nice way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chris, one more question. And for the, lis mm. for the listeners that are out there in the hustle and – they're trying to get from the six figure to the seven figure or the seven figure to the eight figures um, in their business. What's some of the, uh, what would you say is the, the difference in mentality for you from six to seven and then seven to eight? And, and also some advice that you would give people at those levels as well. Uh, 
Uh, I'm very proud of my wife's entrepreneurial journey. Uh, she worked with me for seven years, and and then she went out on her own to start a remittance business like a Western Union. And she's wow. just this small, unassuming little Asian woman that nobody would even look at. I walk in a building and people think I own the damn building. She's beside <laughs> me and they want to kick her out, right? It's a total <laughs> contrast. Anyway, so uh, she's my pride and joy as an entrepreneurial success under my wing. And uh, the thing that I can say to everyone is, um, look, it's, um, if you're worried about how do you get customers, you, you've got a wrong view and a wrong approach. Your, your goal is in business is to serve and add value to other people's lives. Is it not? That's how there's an exchange of money towards you, you and a privilege for you to serve. So then what you should start thinking about is how can you add more value? How can you serve better? And how can you make a better impact and assure people that you can deliver on that? My challenges are always how do I feel that staffing needs somebody has uh, with the right experience and skill sets and how do we solve that staffing problem and how do we make it work in a remote landscape? Like, holy cow, these are tough challenges. And, uh, and, and, and obviously, there's no shortage of customers who, who need help. And not only that, we're prepared to back them. Like, we would pay the recruitment up front. We've got everything to lose. We, we, we're betting that if we get the right person on board, you can make it work. Um, so look at your proposition and to the market. How are you making them feel comfortable in their decision is safe to do business with you? The more you could, um, like, really put yourself in a place that you know you're going to pay for it if you can't deliver then I'll tell you what, there's a shitload of a market out there that will recognize your chance that you're taking on their decisions and they'll be more than willing to say, hey, I'm back you to service me on what you want to service me with. So um, let's flip it on the head. And uh, now when you get to that point and you realize, holy cow, you mean I'm going to go from business servicing a couple hundred to a couple thousand? How the hell am I going to do this? Now you're in business. <laughs> and, uh, and business is about how do you manage volume? How do you deliver a consistent result that's true to who you are and the promise you've made to the market in a volume way without losing your head <laughs> and your bank account, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, these, are the, the, these are the things that uh, I've been preaching to those that I've helped and my wife has been a classic example I think she has uh, over 140,000 visitors on her site every month. She has 20,000 customers. So wow. there's a lot of transactions. What's and her What's her business? Again, what's her website? Uh, her business is iremit.com.au. Okay. Soon to be remit.com.au. <laughs> Great. Chris, uh, I think we're going to wrap up there. I wish I could have you on the mic for another three, four hours, but uh, we're going to have to cut <laughs> it off. For... <laughs> um, thank, sure. you, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and sharing all of your knowledge. We really appreciate it and wish, wish the best yeah. in, and most prosperous and healthy life to you. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you very much. If the listeners want to reach out to you, Chris, um, or learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they could do that at? Well, I, I guess uh, I, I've, I'm, I've almost completed a book called Just Keep Going. So I own the URL, justkeepgoing.com. 
soon uh, we soon we'll put a, um, uh, a an area there where if you want a copy of the book, uh, you could um, you could register there. And of course, uh, remotestyle.com.au will get access to my team and people. And if you need to get in touch with me, it's probably the best way to go via via the company, and somebody will surely get you to me. Awesome. Chris, again, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for joining in once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Awesome. Bye. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining the show. We wanted to remind you about our Get Shit Done one-on-one productivity coaching that we recently just launched. What we do is work with you to create big business goals that are absolutely game changers. We make a plan together and put you in our productivity hacking system that helps you stay on target. Each week, you get a call with yours truly about what steps to take for the following week. Some say it's like a year of productivity in just three months. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching. Thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching.